Welcome to the STFM Podcast, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. In this podcast, we speak to leaders in academic family medicine about a variety of leadership topics. And now your host, Dr. Saria carter Sicosia. Thank you, Dr. Bright Joe, for joining us today for our STFM Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and, and chat with you, Saria. Well, we are thrilled you could join us for many reasons. For one, being the past student member of the SCFM Board of Directors, but two, to squeeze the time in to meet with us as a first-year resident. Oh my goodness, I know you're so busy. It, it has been a rough year, definitely. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. But I'm excited to be here. And SCFM is something that's, as an organization, that's really close to my heart. So I'm excited to be back with SCFM in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. And congratulations in making great progress in your first year of residency. And in fact, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us where you are and a little bit about your story and what has inspired you. Of course. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Bright. I use they, him pronouns. I am just finishing up my first year of family medicine residency at the Stanford O'Connor Family Medicine Residency Program in San Jose. And right now, um, I'm hoping that the birds and the, the wind is coming through in the podcast because I'm sitting outside in a winery, actually, um, celebrating my partner's sister's wedding. Um, and so, well, not the wedding itself, <laughs> but her pre-wedding festivities. And so I wanted to be, make sure that I had time to, to chat with you all today. But hopefully all of that comes through in the audioscape. <laughs> fantastic. I love the audio visual and I'm enjoying your birds, Dr. Joe. This oh. is fantastic. <laughs> Dr. Joe, being an SDFM board member, what an incredible experience. I, I can't wait to hear from you what you learned, what it was like, because I know our learners want to hear the same. What a tremendous mm. honor and opportunity. Mm-hmm, definitely. The, the SCFM board is, is such an incredible space. I remember um, part of my campaign was going into this um, year to try to bring issues like social justice, diversity, equity, inclusion to the forefront, to the priority of, of what um, family physicians were doing. And coming into my first board meeting, it was like number one on the agenda. Everyone was already so engaged in this space. It felt very much like this is a group of people that not only I want to emulate my further career, but also, this is just a group of people that are are doing a lot of this work already, and and it it really came. It was, it was how refreshing to be in a space where you're constantly learning and being pushed, uh, and and not not just necessarily the one who has to bring in these new issues, um, but rather kind of learning and, and continuing to push them forward. So, I agree 100% to learn from my colleagues, seniors in the um, in the the National Board of Directors has just been a just yes, an incredible experience and. Getting to just meet other people, other family physicians was just itself a treat. I think we all chose family medicine because of the people. And it was just so nice to be able to be in a space where you could just see all of these other faculty members and other community preceptors, but just people who are already in their field. And that was something that I think was a a lovely touch to my fourth year of med school as I was transitioning into residency. And I I heard it from you. I I could pick up your excitement with doing the work and to be able to jump right in to social Mm -hmm. justice. I think you said that was the first agenda item. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. Okay. So that's where you were when you were a medical student. 
Now, fast forward hundreds, now thousands of hours put into patient care, (laughs) learning, getting hit in every direction by these Mm -hmm. wonderful experiences and the challenges of balance Mm -hmm. and reality of being Dr. Joe, rather than medical student, bright Joe. Yes. Has your perspective changed as a resident at all? What's your new wisdom of one year? I exactly. I I have definitely say that with with this with the utmost humility of just one year of experience. It's definitely still so new being referred to as Doctor Joe instead of student doctor or medical student. Right. I would have to say that the the main pieces of wisdom have been that the or the main pieces of things that have changed have been that I I feel like the patient care has never stopped. I think that was something that I had the luxury of in medical school of being able to go home or maybe take time off of rotations and focus a lot of projects that I were, that I was really inspired by. And in residency, it's, it's been, you know, you're, you're always doing patient care. There's always, there's not really a, a, a good break to sit and digest and think about all the experiences that you've just faced or the inequities that you've just dealt with as a resident. Um, and I know these are, these are issues that are really ubiquitous across all family medicine residencies, just given the settings that we practice in. And, and so that's been something that's been really challenging. And I hope to find more skills in doing as a second year is identifying spaces, making spaces in my own life to synthesize and to percolate and to absorb the, the lessons that I'm learning instead of just going, going, going. I think that was one of the struggles of intern year is the going, going, going um, and not having space to, to stop. The other thing that I, if, if you, if I, if I can, something that I wanted to say specifically to those who might be listening, who are considered underrepresented in medicine in any way, um, whether it's you know racially or or because of your sexual orientation or gender expression or or ability status or economic status, any of those reasons, I feel like it, it it's though I knew going into residency, I think it, it is hard to carry a lot of the traumas that your patients also carry um, and to treat them with the expertise or knowledge of someone who presumably did not have that trauma. And and so one of the things that has been challenging of intern year is trying to fit in to a profession that I think is beginning to open up to more and more um, individuals who who are diverse in many ways. And so I think, like I said earlier, I still strongly believe that there are members, a majority of our members are making great progress and are leading the change within our departments and institutions. But that has definitely been, I think, just to be upfront, you know, I think that's that's um, a challenge that any of us would face going into intern year of residency. So I want to sit in this for a minute. The trauma, I, mm-hmm. I think that's very real. And you talk about all types of experiences that we've had. And right. I want to relate it back to approaching what we'd like to say is post-pandemic when it seems to be just the next surge right. and the next phase or right. wave and how we manage. Right. But tell me about that. I, I think about you, Bright, in just finishing medical school not too long ago in the middle of COVID. And then your first year, and what I am seeing is almost the first new reality year for what it's like to be a resident. What are you experiencing in that space? And how are others experience perhaps that gap, that miss, what's different? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's also a great question. I trained before medical school, I trained as an archaeologist. And so my, my background is like culture and, and movements and people. And I definitely think that there is a different culture of pandemic learning, teaching, clinical care. All of this is so different from a trainee's perspective. And I, I know the trainees who are listening and even the young faculty who are listening 
can relate to this. I think even something as simple as, you know, we don't have that, that lunch didactic anymore. It might be over Zoom. Or if we are all meeting together, we're all masked and practicing a lot of social distancing um, protocols. There, there definitely are a lot of, I think, cultural differences that I think even my thinking about just the, the three people in my, my year, right? The seniors and the, the super seniors who also trained during a pandemic, right? I think there's just like a different culture of we can't go and hang out and get happy hour or go to the park. You know, like these were not parts, these were not formative parts of the of the resident social life. The things that make residency so worth it is the people, right? And I think we've had to find different ways to adapt to that and different ways to find people um, and connections. And so I think that for me is what strikes me the most as someone who is kind of spending all my time in the hospital is I think there's there's great fortune that we get to go to the hospital and be around other people, like-minded people. But there's also a lot of things that I think maybe some senior uh, physicians who who think fondly of the the bonding that they might have had with their residents, that, that is something that I think we are missing out on a little bit um, as we're kind of all fighting the good fight. I think there are, it's a little bit more effort to have to also find time or ways that are COVID safe and, and we're not COVID safer to try to bond outside of residency. So I agree. I think that's something that strikes me the most on top of all of the other stuff, like writing notes with a mask on, you know, <laughs> gelling in and out on every single thing, you know, um, the, the physical things, I think it goes without saying, but the cultural things I think was, was super striking to me as a new intern thinking that this would be my next group, which I agree. These are still, you know, we, we always, that med again, we're, we're the greatest group of people that, that practice medicine. So I'm very happy with my my cohort and my seniors, um, but it is just, I, I recognize that it's a lot harder to do in the middle of a pandemic. No doubt. And an insightful perspective there when you talk about, well, first of all, you're an archaeologist. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. and, and it does allow you to have a perspective that perhaps some of us didn't have and to be able mm. to use those words. I appreciate what you said about the cultural differences and we mm-hmm. have had some cultural transitions with the pandemic. And I'm going to circle mm-hmm. back to words you used just a moment ago, making space. Yes. We're all in this new environment. And I, I think it is important what you said, and that's making space for yourself, making space mm-hmm. for other people, for people to be able to make space for themselves. That I, I think mm-hmm. that's a very important concept because I believe in order for us to be the best family physicians that we can be, we have got to be whole ourselves. Yes. That's my personal belief. So, so let's take it back to patients and patients. Yes. So once yes. we've made space for ourselves <laughs> and for our training and recognizing and just beautifully articulating the cultural differences that we're seeing arise from this most recent experience that we've had and, and no doubt changing the world that we live mm-hmm. in. What do you enjoy most about taking mm. care of patients? So y'all can't see, but I'm nodding emphatically. I'm, I'm vigorously agreeing with, with making space and, and being our whole selves. In terms of what, is, what has changed or what's different about patient care specifically, I think that I, I think patient care has been, you know, there's a lot of specific answers that come to my mind, like telehealth. This is a whole different all game, you know, uh, especially a lot of my patients are Mandarin speaking and Spanish speaking and to, to engage with, and, and my Mandarin speaking patients are older. And it's, it's definitely, I think just patient care has become more virtual. Um, it's, it's become a lot more of the, for all of us, you know, responding to our in baskets, responding to our messages. I think, I actually think that I'm, I'm fortunate in that 
as physicians, the, I'm, I'm such a social, I think many of us are very social creatures. And, and as physicians, we were fortunate enough during the, um, during the pandemic to be allowed to work with our colleagues and our friends. And I think aside from the patient's end, I think there's definitely a lot more fear and apprehension. Um, I'm seeing so many patients who are coming in now two or three years past when they should have come in or when they wanted to come in, but they're you know out of fear of the COVID. And, but I, I think in terms of, so patient care from my perspective of delivering it, I, I think has been pretty good. I'm very thankful to be able to go into a job every day and not my partner's works at home right now. And I think is a pretty boring life for him. Um, but in terms of patients on the receiving end, patients receiving that care, I definitely see a lot of the pandemic changing that. Um, a lot of apprehension, a lot of fear. And I, you know, in family med, we, we, we do all the, we do everything. And that's a big draw of family med for me. And so just seeing the ways that fear has taken over a lot of our patients' lives even with the most infant, uh, the infant formula shortage right now, I think um, it's just like one other thing on top of the pandemic, on top of missing all of your partner not being able to be there with your ultrasounds. And then now on top of all of that, you've delivered this gorgeous baby and now there's no formula. You know, it's just, I just feel like it is, it is already tough to be a patient, um, but to be a patient during a pandemic, during a racial reckoning, during, you know, all of these supply chain um, issues, it, it's tough. I, I, I feel for them. And what I hear in your voice is the gratitude for social connection. Yes, yes. And this is what I love about the medical students who are graduating, the new residents that are changing the way that we teach by informing us as faculty Mm -hmm. how to do it better is your connection to empathy, your connection to Mm -hmm. understanding everyone is different. And what mm. serves one individual um, serves someone else differently. And I think that's just such an important theme in the work that we do that deserves to be underscored in our patients. Mm. You mentioned the Mandarin speaking, the Spanish speaking, and yeah. from room to room. Isn't that the joy of family medicine, being yes. able to do that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, that being I said, think, yes. Yeah, bye, bye. No, keep going. Keep going, Dr. Joe. Well, I was just going to say... I love family medicine and the, the joy of hopping from room to room, the joy of hopping from one clinical setting to another clinical setting, the joy of just switching all of these hats. I think that is just so inherently who we are. And, and I just, I find so much joy being with family physicians. And, and I think something that has just become very, very apparent over the last few years is something else that is very intrinsically family medicine is really having a finger on the pulse of our community, really understanding what makes our community most upset, most motivated, most uh, you know, changed. And, and I think that is that, that no matter where we practice, I think that that sense of community centeredness is what makes family medicine universally the best specialty ever. (laughs) So, Mm, so true. You are recharging my batteries just through this conversation. (laughs) I love it. And why I also love family medicine. And Mm. I'd like to hear a little bit more about you and your interest in the community pulse. Yes. Yes. So I think that Family. So I, I guess, let me think. Uh, there's so much, so much is coming to my mind right now. I think just from, from the most universal, like the, the family physician who is able to just care for this birth, the grave, um, the whole family unit, they just have the most sense of everyone in, in the family unit, in the, in the whole community. In particular, I'm particularly interested in mental health and addiction, in uh, working with people experiencing houselessness. And I think many of my colleagues are as well. And, and I remember thinking, I was working in a, in a homeless shelter as um, a medical student. And I remember talking to 
a internal medicine trained uh, physician who is my was just a great mentor. And she said to me, she said, if I had to redo, I chose internal medicine because it was what I wanted to do for myself and it, what it kept a lot of options open for me afterwards. I could do fellowship, I could do primary care. Um, but thinking about it now, being in this space in this homeless shelter, providing care to these people and feeling like, you know, maybe I could have had a little bit more training in in women's health and gynecological procedures, in pediatrics and in mental health, I think I maybe would have chosen something that was a little bit more comprehensive in, in my practice. And I that was when I was still undecided and still thinking about definitely primary care, but I want to impact my community the most, that pulse of the community. And I just think that the skill sets that we have here in, in this field of family medicine just give us the most broad spectrum way. And, and one of the goals, one of the just dreams of mine would be to be able to work in a setting where I can have that 30 minute or even 45 minute hour long visit with the patient and do a, a short therapy session with them and talk about their diabetes and talk about just the whole full spectrum, their, their pregnancy care, all, everything all at once, you know, instead of going to several different visits with several different people, that, that would be the dream. And, and maybe we can get to some kind of setting where that exists. I just love to listen to your dreams and what's important to you and the comprehensiveness and the joy of family medicine and what we have the honor and the privilege to do every day and how we serve our patients Mm -hmm. and with our communities. So you brought up dreams. I want to hear what's Dr. Joe (laughs) doing after residency. Do you have a plan yet? You alluded to what you'd like to see. (laughs) Say more. Yes. Well, so I'm, I'm just the first year. So I, I definitely uh, coming in with the understanding that everything will change. I'm sure I find myself very drawn to mental health right now. Um, I, I think both of us are seen very aligned in, in wanting to preserve our whole selves, both inside medicine and outside of medicine. I've done a lot of work with physician mental health specifically, starting with us first and foremost. We have to be well before we can care for others. And I think as a med student, I did a lot of work with medical student well-being. I've been very, uh, unfortunately, I've had to process the loss of a lot of my, uh, a few of my friends, close friends. And so I think the idea of mental health and, and preserving our mental wellness is, is so important to me. And, and how do we think out a systemic way to preserve that? So in some setting, whether it's through maybe a primary care mental health fellowship or, or finding some ways to develop build that into my clinical practice, I would love to gain some more expertise in that. And then I want to be thinking about how can we bring that to ourselves? Um, So I would love to be continue to stay involved with organizations, organized family medicine, to be thinking radically about how we can best advocate for ourselves in, in this field. Because I think the pandemic has really underscored how important mental health is and how much of a dearth of access we have in this country to mental health. And so that is, I think, at this point, what my um, goals would be. But I think the family medicine aspect of that would be that I can do mental health from every setting, in the urgent care, in the ED, in the OND floor, in the pediatric room, in the adult room, every single element that I see my patients with, every patient contact point, there is that extra element of how is that anxiety going? How, are, how is this you know, loss, the grief that you're feeling? How is the depression? How is just existing during a pandemic? How are all of these things going for you? Um, that would be the dream is to have the expertise and the clinical practice and the funding and the ability to be able to provide that kind of care to everyone. Uh, hands up in the air, all those good <laughs> things. You. And the old adage comes to mind, put your oxygen on first. Yes. Yes. And we cannot continue to serve others until we have served ourselves and Definitely. starting with us in our own mental health is so mm-hmm. important. 
What I'm excited about of this era that we are approaching, that we are in and participating for our patients is it matters. Mental health matters. There's a level of awareness that it extends not only through primary care, but across the continuum. It's touching Mm -hmm. everyone in a very positive way. And when I say in a positive way, though, we've experienced tragedy, and I'm so sorry to hear about several of your close friends, but it's important. It's important to have this conversation. It's important that it is important. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad to hear that this is something you're passionate about and you're going to lead us in. And the future, you've probably heard this before, the future is bright. (laughs) The future is bright with Dr. Bright Joe. Dr. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. One last question for the people who are listening, because you've got this energy and this passion to do this very important work. What do you say Mm. to other learners, whether it's a medical Mm. student, a resident, a young faculty, or someone Mm. who is looking to be renewed or recharged through places like STFM? What do you say? How do we get involved? I love that question. It feels very interesting to be giving advice to such a wide group of people, right? Learners, the young faculty, to anyone looking to be recharged. And I would say, I love this idea of the, the oxygen on the, on, put your oxygen on first. I've, that's some, definitely been a mantra of mine. And I think my biggest advice to myself in the coming years is to set those priorities, set those expectations, set those boundaries clearly with, with your loved ones, with your family, with yourself, with your employers, with your patients. That I think has been, will be, and has been my biggest learning objective of residency is developing just language and expectations around what boundary setting looks like in all aspects of my life so that I can preserve my whole self. And so I look forward to learning from other people, everyone um, in family medicine and STFM. And I, I know just serving on the board that that is a, a well-prioritized area of the board as well. And so I look forward to all of us and how we share the ways that we set those boundaries and we enact them in our workplace and in our patient care. Well, you've said it so clearly. And I I, I just want to emphasize it as we're closing, setting priorities and boundaries to allow for abundance Mm -hmm. is the key to maintaining joy. Yes. Yes. I 100%, 100%. Let's do that. And let's maintain these boundaries so you can get back to enjoying your family. And that is very important. Dr. Bright Mm -hmm. Joe, thank you so much for sharing some of your brightness with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the SDFM podcast, produced by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. Visit us at sdfm.org and follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore fm. This podcast is copyright Society of Teachers of Family Medicine 2021.